Welcome to our sermon. I am Pastor Nathan Escarga, and I am sure that God will speak to you through his word today. Six to eight hours just in the last two days um, dealing with uh, uh, students that are heading to college or university. Um, and they're just, a number of them are, are saying, hey, what do we do? Uh, we need to be vaccinated, and I recognize across the sanctuary here today, uh, there are some of you that are vaccinated, there are some of you that are not vaccinated, and uh, the last two days as school comes up, I, I, I had some saying, well, you know what, I don't want to take the vaccination, and, and, um, and so they need, uh, there, there are a few that came to me requiring or needing uh, religious exemption, not to say they would necessarily get it, but at least that, um, that there would be a signing off by pastor, the pastor, their pastor. Um, and so there's, there's some uh, questioning at this point in time. Uh, hey, what's, what's going on and what, what's happening? And uh, so today, uh, a little bit of current affairs, if you haven't heard, um, there's uh, vaccine passports required for different places uh, coming up by the closer to the end of, uh, the, of September in a few weeks, three weeks or so. Um, and so this was a concern to some, and I had people texting me, hey, how do you... What's your view on this and all of that? Um, I don't know how, you're, how you view, what your, your view is at this point in time. Uh, and uh, today and yesterday, uh, there were some of the, the students that were uh, getting in touch with me. Uh, there was a thing of, okay, what, what, do I, what should I do? Uh, Okay, there's an exemption that is, is necessary. Uh, can you help me with this? Um, some were feeling uh, a little bit uh, overwhelmed. Uh, some were feeling a little bit separated. Um, and I just want to say at this point, and, and just regarding what is happening at this time, that when it comes to what to do, and I have not from the, the pulpit preached and said, well, this is what you should do or you shouldn't do, but I definitely believe that uh, uh, when it comes to your, your, the decisions that you're making and whatever, that you stand on the Word of God and you trust in the Lord Jesus in whatever situation you are in. Do your research and, and, and stand on, on the decision that you make and uh, trust in the Lord. Um, one of the things that, that has been weighing on me in particular, uh, and I, I uh, so I, I did hear somebody saying, hey, what, what's your view on vaccine passports? Um, To, to have, I, th I think there's, uh, my opinion on this is that in a, in a world where we're trying not to discriminate, 
now there's a, a medical discrimination that's taking place. I don't agree with that. I don't agree with it. However, whatever happens at this point in time, here's what I am finding. I'm finding that, and it, and it happened today, and it may even be happening within families because the view is so extreme at times. And so I'm talking about families, uh, parents, children, brothers, sisters, whatever, because of the range of views and opinions that there's actually separation that's taking place. And I, I, I want to address this issue within the context of the body of Christ. I, hey, I am a, a person of, of as, all we, as we all are, of opinion. We all have opinions. All of us. We have opinion on this and that. We have views. We draw conclusions, right or wrong. But I want to say this. When there is such conflict that even within a family, I'm not going to talk to this person. I'm not going to talk to this person. I'm not going to associate with this person. I'm not going to associate with this person because we have a differing view. That is not the body of Christ. Or that should not be the body of Christ. And so I'm sure that if I ask every single person here different, different questions on what's going on, you will all have an opinion. One of the things that I've come to realize very early on, and one of the things that I've, I, I begin to say to people, who cares what my opinion is? My opinion doesn't matter, but I'll tell you right now, the Word of God does. The Word of God does. And I, I just want to say this. There should not be within families or the church family, the family of God, there should not be a thing of division. We can have differences. We recognize that there are differences even of purpose and function. Not everybody's a pastor. Not everybody's an elder. Not everybody's uh, doesn't matter. They're, we are different. We have different purpose. We have different function. We recognize the fact that we are, are different, yet we are part of one body. And so, regardless of your views, and I don't, I, hey, listen, if I offend some of you tonight, I'm, I'm not, my plan is not to offend, but rather, I, wanna, I want to, to look at the Word of God. Because we do need, there's times where we need, may need to do this and that, but when it comes to the Word of God, that we would not be distracted from what the Lord speaks to us regarding even these times regardless of how you may feel, regardless of, of what's going on in your head. And as I said, there are strong, very strong 
opinions and views to the point of tearing apart relationship that is not of the God. Let me just say that. That a view, my view, would cause me not to have relationship with a brother or sister in the Lord. So that we not be distracted in these times. That we would not be losing our, our way in what needs to be done. So today I spent, and I know it was of the Lord, because of this whole vaccine thing and, and this individual, uh, his view was very strongly, I don't want to be vaccinated, so I need, I need, I'm coming to you and, and with the exemption, some of the questions, it, I could realize I, I can't answer these questions honestly regarding this individual. How long have they been a member? Well, they're not a member. But the thing that I could say is this. It came around to what our focus needs to be in these last days. I don't know how much time we have left. How much time do we have left? How much time do the people that are around you that you care about and you love, how much time is there left before the Lord returns? I'm telling you, the Lord, 2,000 years ago, you can read it, whether it's Matthew 24 and 25, whether it's uh, Mark 13 or whether it's Luke 21 and different passages that talk about the last day, whether uh, John writes about it, whether Peter writes about it, whether Paul writes about it, and they indicate the last days and what is taking place right now. That was all spoken 2,000 years ago. 2,500 years ago, 2,800 years ago, prophesied how it would be in the last days before Jesus' return. And today, was able to bring the conversation to what is important, and that is, where do you stand spiritually? Where are you at spiritually? Are you right before the Lord? And, and the, the, the Lord, by His Spirit, and I want to say this to you, if you are open and willing to, to not be distracted by all the other things, because I'll tell you right now, I know how long you can talk about the different things that are going on. You can spend days, and especially in conversations, entire conversations taken up. And we don't deal with the issue of life and eternal life. With what is happening around us, we see that the return of the Lord Jesus Christ is near. And so I thank God as these things are happening that we would be able to state that we don't have to fear, but that we can be able to go through the storms of life, the, the challenges that we're facing and the things that are happening around us that the Lord is with us and that we would offer that opportunity for those that don't have the Lord I said to the individual today and I said listen I don't I don't want to frighten you but I want to say this 
if we think it's bad now, when the body of Christ is taken off this planet, read Revelations chapter 6 through 19 to get an indication and a glimpse of what is going to happen here during those seven years. Hasn't happened yet. I said to him, I said, you know what? So much of, the, of, of what has happened in the past and is happening now was prophesied. One-third of the Bible is prophetic, a foretelling of what is to come, and so much in detail. What is coming? I, do, I would not want my worst enemy to have to go through the things of the tribulation and what is coming. Now you say, Pastor, well, what about the, this... So today I was listening to the vaccine, about the vaccine passports. And so it's, it's amazing how it's becoming more and more digital. Everything is, is digital. So now it's not just, hey, you got a paper or a card or whatever. I know they want your, your ID to get into certain places and they've, they're limiting. I thought they might mention something about churches. They didn't mention anything about churches. They said meeting places. They didn't say places of worship. But I can see it coming. So what had happened is, would be is those that are vaccinated would be able to come into church. Those that are not vaccinated would not be allowed to come to church. And so you just, hey, a scanning or using your, I guess, what, what is that code call, a cue? QR, QR code, all the information. So it's going, it's going to be on the phone. The next thing is like, well, hey, you know what? This phone is, is, can be stolen. It can be, something can be done. You know what? We need to have something more permanent. Now, listen, do you think is va the vaccine or the vaccine passport the, the mark of the beast? No, it's not. <laughs> it's not. But I'll say this. Men, are they setting things up? The mark of the beast, <clears throat> I, I, I can see things falling into place. And the one thing I can see is the governments, different governments, pushing. How far can we go? How much can we, how far can we restrict? What can we do? What power and authority do we have? At this point, we're talking human rights that are part of our Canadian Charter of Freedom and Rights are being broken as we speak. This is not right. But there's a push. There is something underlying or that's hidden. Truly, even last year I spoke on this early on in April, May. The mystery of lawlessness and that there would be a restraining of the mystery of law. This is too much of a backlash at this point in time. It'll be interesting to see how the elections go with the stance that different parties have taken and what will happen with that. I see that which is foretold in Revelation taking place. I can see it. I can see it happening. I can see how it's being set up. 
You say, Pastor, are you afraid? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. We do not have to be afraid. And regarding um, what Jesus says about the last days, uh, is that we would be ready for his return. Uh, Luke 21, if you could just pull that up for me. Luke 21, I think it's around 36 or so. And it, and it talks about, the, uh, chapter 21 is Jesus is prophesying about the last days. He's saying, this is how it's going to be. Um, I hope I got the right verse. I think I do. He says, uh, ver I'll start at verse 33. Luke 21, 33. He says, heaven and earth will pass away but my words will by no means pass away. Never. The word of the Lord is eternal. And then it says in verse 34, But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the cares of this life, and that day come on you unexpectedly. For it will come as a snare. You know what a snare is? A snare is a thing that trappers use to trap uh, animals, especially, say, rabbits. And so they, they would put, they'd check where uh, the road is, where everybody's going. They'd put a line with a, a loop around it. So there's a loop, and it's attached to something that's fixed, and that loop is slidable. And so what happens is, as an animal goes by, like a rabbit, there's the opening of this this fine line, this, the rabbit goes through, and as soon as it goes through, it tightens. And the animal, the more it struggles, the more it tightens, and eventually the animal succumbs to this snare. And it says, the day of the Lord will come unexpectedly. It should not come unexpectedly for us that it would not come unexpectedly for the believer. It says, Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. To escape all the things that he foretold in the, the, the chapter previous, the verses previous, and Matthew speaks on this as well, Matthew 24 verse, and 20, or chapters 25, about the last days. This should not come on us ex unexpectedly, but that we would be counted worthy to escape all these things. And I'm, I'm going to, I'll touch in on how is it that we can be worthy. We're saying we're not going to be left behind. So I'll tell you right now, there are those that will be in a church. I'll, I'll pray to God, it doesn't happen on a Sunday. Or Wednesday, can you imagine the trumpet sounds and those that are followers of Christ, their faith is in Jesus Christ, they're going to be caught up. And those that have played games or are lukewarm or have denied Christ will be left sitting in a pew realizing at this point, this is the beginning of seven years of tribulation. To survive it as a believer, 
will be, I don't think there, it doesn't say that there are any believers that make it through the tribulation, those that are saved after the trumpet sounds. I believe that many that are in left behind that may have come to church, they'll realize, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, I'm left behind. And everything that was spoken, I, I didn't believe it. And there will be many that will come to the Lord during the tribulation. And it talks about that. It says their cries will come up to the Lord. How much longer? How many more have to die as believers during the tribulation? It says here that we can be counted worthy to escape. And we'll get into that. So my, my thing at this point, and I want to focus in on, so what do we do? How do we walk at this point in time? How do we interact with each other? It says, I, I, and if I could just have you turn to, to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. And I'm just going to quickly go through uh, uh, six, the first six verses here. And I just want to touch on a few things. One of them being the, the aspect of being worthy so that we escape, that we're not left behind. And we want to share that, the way to escape with others. So Ephesians 4, verse 1 says, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, and he was truly a, a prisoner at this point, incarcerated because of the fact that he followed Jesus, and that's Paul. He says, I beseech you. I, he's, he's saying, for goodness sake, beseeching is, for goodness sake, it's like somebody coming up to you, grabbing you by, by your shirt and shaking, saying, hey, snap out of, listen up. He says, I beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called says, with all lowliness and gentleness and with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. And I'll just get to that in a moment. But this thing of to walk worthy of the calling with which you are called. The Lord has called you. He calls you by name. I like this song that was sung tonight, that he knows our name. We have a Father in heaven that knows our name. And before God becomes our Father, there's a calling to him. And he calls, he calls us by name. And he comes to us, and, and, and there's this recognition of, you know what, the Lord is speaking to me at this time. I said to this individual, I spent almost two hours with them, with him. I said, at different points, the Holy Spirit comes to us to speak into our lives and to, hey, but there's a point that comes. If we continue to reject the Holy Spirit, we keep pushing them. You, you ever wonder, what, what, is it, what is this sin where it talks about the unpardonable sin or blasphemy against? It's actually blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Basically, what it is is this. It is when you continually reject the Holy Spirit as he comes to you. And the Holy Spirit is... Not a force is the is God, the third person or part of the Trinity. We have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Three distinct beings together are working together, each one with different purpose and function. Totally, they're, they're not a. It's not a force. It's we were made in His image. We we were made in the image of God, and here. If we reject the Holy Spirit again and again, it's the Holy Spirit that draws us to Jesus. The purpose of the Holy Spirit 
for the unbeliever is to draw them to Jesus. And if the unbeliever continually rejects the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will, be, will, will come less and less and less. When the Holy Spirit stops coming to you, to call you, there's no chance to be saved. There is no chance for a person to be saved. And there's no caring. That person doesn't care. Now listen, if there's still a desire, Lord, I need you in my life, or the Holy Spirit hasn't rejected you. But when the point comes when a person rejects the Holy Spirit, at that point, they, they have no desire for the things of the Lord. Nothing. said to this individual, you gave your life to the Lord as a teenager. I know. I remember. Came into the sanctuary. Harry was drawn, asked to come. I remember this young man. He's not a young man anymore. Giving his life to Jesus 12, 13 years ago, 14 years ago. 17, eight, 17 years of age. 16, 17 years of age. Gave his life to Jesus. In the last number of years, the Lord was constantly, as he spoke today, there's always, there's been this thing of, of recognition. He realizes the Lord is there, even though he has strayed so far from him. Today, he was in the house of the Lord to hear, to have another opportunity to come to the Lord. It'll be interesting to see how, I'll know where he stands probably by the end of this day. Decision that he he makes, God doesn't force anybody to spend eternity with him. God will never force people that go to hell in eternity apart from God. It is their choice. I don't want, I don't want anything to do with you, God. God says, God is desperate. Not desperate, but his thing is, I don't want... Scriptures say, I don't want that any should perish, but that they should come to repentance. To walk worthy. So the Lord calls us, and we can walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. And it's amazing. God has called us to do a certain thing, to walk, to live life a certain way, and, and with purposes that are specific for you. I said to this young man today, I says, you know what? The Lord has a plan specific for you. It was just beautiful how the Lord orchestrated things. This afternoon, the conversation was beautiful. It was totally of the Holy Spirit. And the, the love of God for a young man, say, hey, come, come back to me. So to walk worthy, if we could turn quickly to Romans 3, verse 21. How can we be worthy before God? And here's what it says. It says, but now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. So what is the law? The law is not just the Ten Commandments. It's all the things of the Old Testament especially. You got to do this. You got to do this. And even in the Old Testament, there is a recognition that we can't keep the law. They couldn't keep the law because the Lord put into place sacrifices, offerings, and five offerings were, were the Lord put into place, and four of them, off, there was a sacrifice necessary. And I explained one of them 
to the individual today. I said all of it was pointing. I said we look back to Jesus. Our faith is in Jesus and what he did for us on the cross. So we look back at this point. But back then, before Jesus came, there were thousands of years before Jesus came, and they were looking during the law, the period of the law, from the time that Moses was given the law, about 1400 B.C., there was a pointing to, to Jesus and that he was coming. And it was shown graphically by the sacrifices that were made. That Jesus, there would be a, a sacrifice that was coming and it would take care of all the sacrifices. There were literally millions of sheep over the, the for about a thousand years, up until about 400 B.C., that on and off, that there were the, the, when the, the priests, the king and the priests were uh, serving the Lord, these sacrifices would be put back into place, all of it pointing to, to Jesus. And so there, one of the things that was done was the sin offering. And with the sin offering, oftentimes there was a lamb. The lamb was the one, the one animal that was used the most. You could use a, a, a bullock or a young bull or a, a, a turtle doves if you didn't have, if you were poorer. But there was a sacrifice that was made. And one of the things, as, as there was a laying of hands on the, the sheep, so you would bring a sheep, one-year-old male sheep. Why? Because it all represented Christ. And all the sacrifice, whether it was the burnt offering, whether it was the sin offering, whether it was the trespass offering, whether it was the peace offering, these four had to do with sacrifice. And so here, the individual with the trespass offering would lay his hand on the sheep and would confess their sins. This is what I have done that is not right before the Lord. And the sin would be transferred onto the sheep and the sheep would, would pay with its life for the sin of the person. And the, the, the priest would take, slit the throat and the blood would be would be shed. It was all pointing to Jesus coming and dying for us. That's why John the Baptist, when he saw Jesus, he said, behold, the Lamb of God, the Lamb of God, the one that would, is able to take away the sins of, of, of mankind. There is nothing. How do you get rid of sin? How can you be worthy before God? It is only by the blood of Jesus Christ. It is by the blood. There is nothing that can wash away the stain of sin but the blood of Jesus Christ. You say, Pastor, is that what the Word of God says? That's what it was indicating already in the Old Testament. If you read uh, Exodus and you read Leviticus, you, you recognize and as you read the different uh, history, the books of history, 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles, you see again and again where these sacrifices were made or not made. Without the sacrifice, without the sacrifice and the shedding of blood, the Word of God says there is no remission of sin. We need to recognize the importance of the message of the cross because it is at that place, in that time and moment in history, that Jesus shed his blood for us in that moment. And as our faith is in him and the work that he accomplished on our life, we have salvation. 
that can come to us. We can be saved from our sins. Now, let me, let me read through here. It says, but now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. So it's not having to keep the law, but there's something more that is coming in the righteousness of God to be standing righteous before God, and it's not coming from us. I am not good enough. You, as good as you can be, are not good enough before a holy God. I said to this young man today, I says, how many sins? I say, I say this often. How many sins do we have to sin before we are separated from God? Just one. That means that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And this is what it says in this passage. But listen to this thing that of sin and we were separated from the, from the glory of God because of sin. And we've all sinned. Look at what surrounds that verse, which is verse 23. It starts off, and even before, but, but now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law. The law was pointing to Jesus Christ, and not just the law, the prophets. The prophets were, were, were prophesying beforehand there is one coming. There's 300 different prophecies by different prophets that just spoke of Jesus coming. Even to the time that he would come. That's why the wise men knew, hey, Jesus is coming. Because they were looking at scriptures. They had looked at scriptures. In fact, even his death and the time of his death was prophesied almost 600 years prior. Daniel speaks of it. To the, to the a time, we're talking to the, the time, the year where Jesus would die. That he would be cut off from the land of the living, was prophesied almost 600 years prior to it happening, and not just by him, but by others, every detail. Psalm 22, one of the favorite, your favorite psalms is Psalm 23, but read Psalm 22 that comes before it. Psalms, Psalm 22 was written 1000 BC, and it talks about how Jesus felt while he was on the cross. It talks about what was going, how his, his mouth was dried up. It talked about how he felt about the people and the people that were around him. It's amazing. That was prophesied a thousand years before Jesus came. So not only was it witnessed by the law, but it was also the prophets that were pointing and declaring that Jesus would come and there would be righteousness that could be had through him. So it says... Verse 22, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. The righteousness of God is put on us as we place our faith in Jesus Christ and we believe for salvation. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Being justified... That means to be made right before God freely. This is amazing. I am made right before God freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. The fact that He paid for it. It's been redeemed. You're, you're bought. You're, it's taken care of. Praise God. Being justified freely by His grace. We don't deserve it. It says Jesus died for us. Romans 5, it talks about different people, the ungodly, the sinner, and even those that are enemies. And it says in verse 8, Romans 5 verse 8 says, 
But God demonstrated his love for us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were sinners. You know, I, people would say, hey, you know what? I'm not going to accept relationship with you because you wronged me. And unless you repent and get everything right and whatever, I'm not, I don't want any relationship with you. And here God is saying, you know what? I paid the price for you while you were yet a sinner, even ungodly and even an enemy of mine and opposed to me, I already paid so that you could have life eternal and that you could have righteousness and stand justified before me, just as if I had never sinned. Everyone, hey, justification is basically just as if I'd never sinned, to be justified before God. We're talking from Luke 21 to stand worthy, to escape all these things that are coming, to be worthy. So we are, we are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Verse 25 says, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood. There was a, this thing of propitiation is a sacrifice. There's a sacrifice by his blood, it wasn't just, a, there was death that was necessary. And so, through faith, once again, faith, our faith in him, to demonstrate his righteousness, because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to pass, because it's ta been taken care of. I say, thank you, Lord. And to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he might be the just, to be just, and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. We have opportunity this week, this weekend, to go out and to say, Lord, use me. I'm willing to share of the fact that we can count, be counted worthy to, to escape the things that are coming, because the Lord is coming soon. So, Ephesians 4, verse 1, I beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Oh, man, does the Lord love us, and he called us, and he is the one that is able, he alone is the one that is able to make us, or to justify us, to place his righteousness, his righteousness on us. So just think, think of it, just visually, as we sin, our righteousness, it says, is it like filthy rags? Can you imagine filthy and dirty garments? And as much as you try to scrub, you can't get it out. There's stains that cannot be taken out. And hear the Lord as we place our faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, I know I have sinned. I've fallen short of your glory. I can't come into your presence. But you made a way possible for me to come to you. And so I accept what you have done for me. And I confess I am a sinner. And, and even as I place my faith on your death on the cross, the Lamb. See, as we confess our sin, it's like in the Old Testament, they, they put their hand, they grabbed a hold of the thing that could save them, which was what God had instituted in the Lamb being slain for the individual. And here, the Lord, our dirty 
garments, there's a cleansing, and he comes and he clothes us with his righteousness. And as we stand before God Almighty, there's this thing of being able to come into the presence of God Almighty. And we have not a God that is a judge that says, hey, did you accept Jesus, my son, or did you reject him? And there's consequences for rejection. But rather, our Father in heaven, and where even the Lord Jesus says, hey, well done, my good and faithful servant. Come, enter into the presence of God. Come, we're going to spend eternity together. So here we are. When we walk worthy of the calling with which we are called, that we would walk in all lowliness, not in pride, but just a recognition of our own moral little, littleness, the fact that, man, morally, behaviorally, man, we have messed up. But we recognize in humility and because of the grace of God and our faith in, in the Lord Jesus Christ, that is where my righteousness is. It's not in myself. It's not in what I can do, but it is in what he has done. So there's a lowliness about us and a gentleness when it comes to our daily walk and our daily uh, activity, gentleness, mildness, meekness. Gentleness does not, does not mean I'm a pushover, though. I like what my dad said about meekness years ago. And he said, meekness isn't weakness. A picture, an illustration of meekness is steel covered in velvet. That's meekness. It's not being, it's not push, a pushover. It's, it's, there's a strength there with the outside of velvet, like Jesus was, truly, meek. It's, he was, it says he was full of grace and truth. Grace would be that, that, that softness of velvet around the steel core of truth. There's nothing of lie or deception in him. He is the way, the truth, and the life. We'd walk in gentleness with long-suffering or patience. That, that thing, word of long-suffering is not just patience, but it's with endurance, with, with a steadfastness and a constant. We are constant at this time. Listen, the Lord wants us to walk in a way as we look to him and we, 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 we hang on to him. He is saying that you can make it through this time and, and to endure. Despite the difficulty, you will endure and you will be stable. Hallelujah. And this is a, the next point I want to say. Bearing with one another in love. Folks, I go back to the point I made at the beginning. There should not be a division amongst us just because of our opinions. I was texting today with somebody. Man, it, I'll tell you, a bit of a group text, and it was getting ugly. Or I, I was, I wasn't, I hadn't been, I wasn't a part of it, but I was. Every once in a while, I hear the ding, and I look at it. I say, "Oh, this is not good." To the point where I had to say, "You know what? Are we not children of God? This conversation needs to stop. This conversation needs to stop because we are the part of the family of God." And as family of God, we are brothers and sisters, and we should not let our different opinions separate us at this time, but rather, as it says here, to bear with one another in love. So that I can say, okay, you know what? You, you have your view, and I have my view on different things. But that we would bear with one another in love. 
you love one another. I may disagree with your view, and I'm going to, I'll go the way that I, I need to go according to what I believe. But you're a brother or sister in the Lord that we would bear with one another in love. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The heart of the Holy Spirit is for, for us to come and be, number one, part of the family of God. And then as family of God, that we would draw closer to one another in love. That there would be a peace amongst us. I, I, I couldn't believe how this conversation was going to the point. It's like, this is crazy. This is crazy. I know this person. They know me. And there's, what's going on here? Believers, this isn't right. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. In Colossians 3, for verses 12 to 14, it says, Therefore, as the elect of God, we're the elect of God, we're holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. Notice those words are very similar to what it says here in Ephesians. It says, bearing with one another. And forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. That we can forgive one another. There's a point that we might say, you know what, I was wrong. I was wrong. We can forgive one another. We it's about relationship, the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. And it says in verse 14 then, after the aspects of forgiveness, it says, but above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, of completeness, of making things complete, to put on love. We recognize, man, I can't love in, my, in myself, but the fruit of the Holy Spirit, one of the, the parts of the fruit, the single fruit of the Holy Spirit, I always think of an orange with all the different slices, love, this is what the Holy Spirit would have come up within us. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, using the King James Version. Temperance, self-control. Against such there is no law. Those that are Christ have crucified their flesh with its lusts and its passions. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit, not being conceited or anything like that. Hey, I can do it on my own. And envious and division starting, but rather that there would be a work by the Lord. Look what it says here in verse 4. It says, uh, this is Ephesians 4, verse 4. There is one body and one Spirit. We are members within the body of Christ. Members should not be in conflict with each other. I'll tell you, the only time that, that, that there may be a conflict is because someone is going by the, by the things of this world, is going by the things of their flesh, or is going by the things of demonic influence. That's what it says in James chapter 3. It talks about that which is not from above. The wisdom that is not from above is worldly, is sensual, is demonic. 
There is one body and one spirit. We are together just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. And that baptism, we're not talking about water baptism. We're talking about being baptized into the body of Christ to become a member within the body of Christ spiritually and supernaturally the moment that you give your life to the Lord. We are part of the body of Christ. The moment, a person, the moment you got saved, you became a member within the body of Christ. He is the head, and we are part of the body. And he's joined us together. Ephesians 4 this ch chapter goes on to say that, that, that he's joined us together with joints and sinews. And that there would be each part doing what it's supposed to. Every part doing what it's supposed to for the edifying of itself, of the whole body, in love. That's what it says in Ephesians 4, verse 16. Oh man, what an amazing thing the body of Christ is. So in these times... Recognize there is one body, one spirit. Just look how many times it's just saying one. One is of togetherness. There's one body, one spirit, just as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all those that are his children, who is above all and through all and in you all. Praise God. He's above all, through all, and in you all. So in these times, that we would not fight against each other, we'd not fight against flesh and blood, but that we would fight against the enemy. In Jesus' name, one of the things the Lord has put on my heart the next while, even as we head towards election, Lord, we, I pray that your will would be accomplished. And I know that the Lord is able to use, whether a good or bad person is put into power that it can be used that person can be used even a bad person you look at at Nebuchadnezzar the king of Babylon we recognize how God used a wicked king and this man got to a point here what an arrogant man to make a statue of himself 90 feet tall and he says when the 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 sound the, the trumpets blow and whatever Everybody needs to bow down and worship me. Talk about arrogance. There was a point that God put him in his arrogance seven years. It says he was out in the field, took his mind. And he was out in the field eating grass like the cattle. It says his, his fingernails grew like claws. And then one day there was a recognition of God and he recognized and he acknowledged God and God was able to even use Nebuchadnezzar God can use doesn't matter who's in power but that we would pray it says that we should pray first Timothy chapter 2 talks about us praying for kings and govern those that govern and as you go on in the the next few verses it talks about the sake of the gospel going out of people being able to come to know Jesus Praise God that that would happen. This morning, passage, one passage that we focused in on was Ephesians 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Not in our own strength, in our own power. The power of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit upon us at this time 
and in this time that you would put on the whole armor of God. You may be able to stand against the wiles, the deceptions, the strategies of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of weakness in the heavenly places. That's where a fight should be, not with each other, against the enemy. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. And if you read through the armor of God, it is Jesus Christ. He is our armor that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Some of you might say, oh, these are evil days. Well, it says here that even as we take up Jesus Christ, that we would be able to withstand. We will withstand and having done all, even in the battle, to be standing when it's done. To stand. Battle is tiring, but at the end, it's like when you're standing it means you've had, you have the victory, and that is through Jesus Christ, our Lord. What do we have to do yet before his return? Not only should we be ready, but we need to go out. Man, do we need to go out, and we need to share the gospel with those that don't know Jesus so they can come to faith in him and be ready when the trumpet sounds. We need to look to see as many, as many as possible to come to Christ before his return. And uh, if there's anybody here tonight, if there are, is there anybody online that doesn't know Jesus? Um, you can give your life to Jesus. You say, what do, I, what do I have to do to be saved? And even as we would confess, I am a sinner. I can't come into the presence of God the way I am. I'm not worthy. So even as I confess, I am a sinner. Yes, there needs to be a repentance. It says that we would not practice sin. Those that practice sin will not inherit the kingdom of God. Galatians chapter 5. But that there would be a repentance. Repentance is not just a, a stopping of sin, but it's turning the direction. If I'm heading to hell, I'm turning. I'm doing a 180, and I'm heading to follow Jesus Christ. That's repentance. But the second part of coming into the kingdom of God, being a part of the kingdom of God, being saved and being given a washing and a cleansing and his righteousness upon us is believing in Jesus Christ. It says, Jesus said, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. The gospel or good news is that Jesus died for us. Lord, I acknowledge that you died for us, for me. I confess it and I believe it in my heart. You died and you rose again. And I want you to be in my life. Come into my life. It is that easy. I'll tell you right now. The most important decision I made by far, I made as a child at seven years of age, That was, at this point, was in the summer, summertime, 50 years ago. 50 years ago in the summertime, I gave my life to Jesus, 1971. Seven years of age was the most important by, decision by far because with it, Jesus forgave me of all my sins. He came into my life. And he has been with me all along. Even though I'm not perfect, 
But he has, his righteousness is around me because my faith is in Jesus and what he did for me on the cross. So confess your sin. Confess Jesus Christ dying for you. That is the way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And you can make it to heaven and you can make that God becomes your father in heaven as you believe in him and you receive Christ into your life. I'm going to follow Jesus. So, Lord, I just I thank you for your word tonight. In these, these days, in these times, in this season, Lord, we recognize that you are coming soon. And, Lord, about those times when you, as they said, Lord, when will you restore Israel? Lord, when will you come and you be king over Israel? He says, don't worry about the, about the times and the seasons. Those things are in, the, in God's hands. And so, Lord, we don't have to worry about the times and the seasons because, Lord, not only are those things in your hand, we are in your hands. We belong to you. And so we just say thank you. We don't have to be afraid. And today, Lord, I pray, Lord, that we would bear with one another and bear up one another in love as the body of Christ. And, Lord, with that love, we would not just love one another. We would love you with all our heart, and we would love our neighbor as ourselves. And, Lord, we would treat our neighbor as we would treat ourselves. Lord, with love, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Love you guys. Love you so much. God bless you. Have a great uh, evening yet. And... Um, We'll see you uh, next time, whenever that is. Uh, God bless and uh, love each other. Thank you for joining us for the sermon. We really hope that God spoke to your life. You can find more of the Word of God by watching our live stream service and listening to our podcast on our website, lighthouseniagara.com. Thanks for joining us for the sermon. We really hope that God spoke to your life. You can find more of the Word of God by watching our service live stream and listening to our podcast on our website, lighthouseniagara.com.